to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watch Cinderella, made in 1957, uh, which we have dubbed the Rodgers and Hammerstein, Julie Andrews Cinderella. I love this. This made me so happy. <laughs> this made me so happy. I'm sorry. Okay. Talon, can you set the scene for our listeners? How does this Once Upon a Time begin? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, it begins fantastically because it's really good. So good. It's so uh, good. <laughs> no, it actually starts, okay, so it is kind of weird the way it starts because we don't start with Cinderella. In fact, the whole production was more Prince-focused than I'm used to, and I'm not complaining. It was just surprising. But it starts with, like, the whole city scene, and they announce the ball, and everyone's like, oh my god, there's a ball. And they do the song with the prince's super long name, which I wrote down, but I'm not super confident I'm going to be able to get. But it's um, Christopher, Rupert, Rupert, Windermere, Vladimir, Carl, Alexander, Francois, Reginald, Lancelot, Herman, Gregory, James. Yeah, we open on this song. I would like to say the costumes are all set in the 1820s so high-waisted the men are wearing what i'm assuming would be regimental reds if they were in color which they're not everything is black and white white pants dark uh coat with white stripy lapel things on it it's very much my style i liked it it made me happy um we get a bunch of women talking about how they want to go to the ball and what they're going to be wearing including a little girl who says that she's going to be wearing a sack of grain. I missed that. I got the part where they were complaining yeah. about the different things that weren't good enough about themselves. And they were like, oh, I wish I was taller or older or younger or whatever. And this one girl's like, I'm in second grade. And she's very upset by that. There were a lot of women that were saying, I wish I was not married. Um, my favorite, uh, my personal favorite, was a woman who goes, I wish I were demure and sweet and just chugs champagne. <laughs> I, out of the bottle. Out of the bottle. It was the best. Oh, man. I, mm, strong energy right there. And we got some great lines where women are getting ready for the ball and trying on dresses and stuff, including a line that is, pull in your lower diaphragm. Yeah, which, it's one of those classic... Uh, someone's helping somebody pull their corset tight. I feel like there's better terminology for this, especially by the phase that Liv is making. There, there should be a specific name for that trope. As far as I'm aware, there's not. So it was a good montage, though. It was a good montage of people getting ready and people being anxious and people being excited. The women were largely indistinguishable. I could not tell any of them apart, except that some of them were blonde and some of them were not blonde. We forgot to mention, like, the biggest thing about this. Oh, oh, yes. Colin, would you like to tell the biggest thing about this? And it's the only reason I know that these were different women and not the same woman over and over. This was filmed live. This was live. They did it in one go in front of a camera, and then they showed it to people on the TV. It's incredible. So every flaw that this movie has, all, you know, two of them. This was filmed live in 1957. This is phenomenal. This is amazing. Just bearing in mind how complex the choreography is and how well 
uh, how good the blocking is with the camera and stuff it's just it's so well done for being shot live I just I loved it and it wasn't like this was a stage show and then they shot it with like one camera on a stage or whatever this was designed for tv and they shot it it looked like to me with multiple cameras they were panning they were zooming in and out like the camera work technically was so strong considering Mm -hmm. they had to do it live live I can't overemphasize this enough. This was live. This was live. It's incredible. You forget while watching it. You go, yes, this is nicely done. And then some part of your mind goes, they did this in one take. This is one take. Have you? No, no one's ever. What? It it boggles the mind. So we then meet Cinderella and the stepmothers. Um, (laughs) Multiple stepmothers. Multiple stepmothers. There's a stepmother and two stepsisters. They all appear to be about the same age, to be perfectly honest. I was about to say, no one can blame me for that because Cinderella looks super young, especially since it's Julie Andrews and you're used to her playing like an older, statelier role. And she looks so young in this. Okay, we'll talk about her in a second. We'll talk about her in a second. So we meet the stepmother and stepsisters. They're wearing very odd looking hats and have especially silly hairstyles and they are women on the wrong side of plain they're not ugly they're just gawky and they are they use their mannerisms to make them extremely unpleasant yeah mostly they're just making a lot of weird faces they make and when a lot they of... laugh one of them literally goes hyuk, hyuk, hyuk. and they use uh-huh a lot the, their response uh-huh. to almost everything is uh-huh uh-huh. You mean the thing that I do? <laughs> yes, that thing. The The two stepsisters are Portia and Joy. Portia, we find out later, was named after Portia from the Merchant of Venice. And her mother is convinced that she is brilliant. She's not. She's a dum-dum. And continually tells her that beauty alone will not win you a man, which is good because she doesn't have that. And the stepmother is convinced that Joy is a happy, cheerful person, and Joy is dour. I think the names were very aspirational, because she counsels them, <laughs> like, she counsels Joy to be vivacious and alert, as well as beautiful. She, she thinks that her daughters are beautiful. <laughs> it does seem that she's encouraging them. It, it does seem motivational, I would say. Yeah. So then we meet Cinderella. She's wearing essentially a blacksmith's apron over some sort of plain dress. It's not rags, but it's a big floor-length apron like a smith would wear. I, I liked it. I didn't pick up on that. It looked very normal to me. It looked like it suited the dress. Cinderella is not so much like a scullery maid in this as she is just beleaguered and beset by life and well not life her her step family step family yes it it's very much just her step family talon what's her deal what is up with this cinderella what's she like what is holding her to this place so she describes herself in song uh as being mild and meek as a mouse but that doesn't really pan out she's a little bit like snarky in a very understated way and at one point, you know, her fairy godmother is like, they treat you like a servant. 
you could leave and be a servant somewhere <laughs> else and they would pay you for it. And her only real Just, response to that, because that makes a ton of sense, you guys. It's a good point. It is a strong point from the fairy godmother. Uh, her response to that is like, well, I don't think my father would want that. Yeah. So this is this is the Rogers and Hammerstein that was the brandy one that everybody is familiar with from like the 2000s or something. I want to say 1997 or 97. I, I don't remember when it is. So no, it's it's 1997. Yeah. I wrote so it down. so audiences are going to be much more familiar with that one. It's the same music. It's there's one extra song, but the portrayal is extremely different. So obviously we're going to do the 97 one at some point. This song is that Cinderella sings at first is in my own little corner and she sings it with such emotion and such joy that you get the sense that rather than being beset by life and miserable and taking refuge in a fantasy land you get the sense that she has a very incredibly powerful internal landscape and genuinely just is able to find joy in the experience of imagining things in the experience of going out to the city with her sisters to shop even though all she did was carry their baskets all day you don't get the sense that she's a pushover or meek or dull or just very biddable you get the sense that she just is an incredibly sweet person with a very powerful imagination i i was sold i was absolutely sold on cinderella by the end of this song yeah this was definitely my least favorite song in the brandy cinderella agreed and this agreed. one it was also my least favorite song but by a much smaller margin I believed her. I believed her when she was listing all the different things that she was imagining. Um, because it's Julie Andrews. And even though she's 22 or something at the time, she's still a powerhouse because she's going to grow up to be Dame Julie Andrews. That's correct. That's so, basically, that covers all of it. Yeah. Good night, everyone. The podcast is over. The podcast over. is over. We finished. We found the greatest Cinderella. Dame Julie Andrews, everyone. Good night and goodbye. She did. She did such a good job. I wasn't sure how I was going to, you know, see her as Cinderella. Yeah. Oh, she was phenomenal. She was so bubbly. She, she was, was so cute. She was she delightful was, there. Yes. Like, vivacious. Very much. Very vivacious and kind of sassy. There was this really fun beat where the stepmother and stepsisters are ordering her about and every other order is Cinderella close the window because she closes the window and the window immediately pops back open. And it's really funny. It's a good comedy beat. And at the end, they finally say close the window one last time. She closed the window, braces herself against it, waits for a beat, turns around, and then glares at the window with a finger held up like, I swear to God, if you open up one more time, I will get out my shoe. And it's just, it's a really, really good comedy routine. It's funny. I was it's laughing. It's really fun to see Cinderella get some of those comedy beats. I, I always felt like in a Cinderella adaptation, it's always way more fun to be the stepsister or the stepmother. And this one sold me <laughs> on like, I would love to play Cinderella in this because she gets a lot of like physical comedy beats. She, she gets does. a lot of like dancing with a mob, gazing dreamily into it like it's a face you know, those kind of moments. Yes. And also she gets, she gets some snark moments. She has some moments of 
quiet but definite snark, which I was applauding. I loved it. So we then meet the, the king and the queen. Yeah, the prince doesn't show up for a really long time. Yeah. And, like, a really long time. Yes. And I was like, he better be so handsome because all of these women are just dying to marry him. <laughs> and the buildup has been, like, half the movie. <laughs> and when he shows up, he better be a dreamboat. He better be a dreamboat. So we meet the king and queen first, and they're talking about the party, and they're kind of bickering like old married couples do. We get a fun moment where the king's just wearing polka dotted pajamas and complaining that his pants don't fit anymore. Because well, it's it, he hasn't had a ball in five years. You know, there haven't been any festivals or fairs or pageants. I'm quoting almost directly. <laughs> you know, the people won't like him if he doesn't do these things for them. And he's so put out by the fact that his people might not like him. He pouts. He does. He pouts. And the queen brings in the people in charge of planning the menu, which includes 40 acres of lettuce. That was one of the only lines I was able to remember from it. And the king wants marshmallows. And the queen is for like, toasting. marshmallows. And he's like, yes, marshmallows for toasting. And the king makes this huge deal about he needs the wine of his country because they want to talk about wineless. And he's like, the wine of my country, the wine of my country, which is beer. And the queen the goes. The wine of his country is beer. And the queen looks at his paunch and goes, of course, and just sort of rolls her eyes and walks past him. And it was a great moment. Oh, it was so funny. Uh, I, I really loved their interaction. And I really loved how the queen was just genuinely worried about their son. And yes. she keeps going, you know, he doesn't seem happy. And the king is like, well, he seems happy to me. How can you tell he's not happy? You know, to the point where he actually asked the prince later on, are you like, um, are you happy? Are you, yeah. how, how are you doing, son? So there's also a great line where she goes, well, if he was happy, he should get married. And the king goes, if he's happy, why would he get married? And it was, it was a great moment. Uh, they have a very, the king and queen have a very lovingly playful, disrespectful marriage. I I really liked their energy together. I thought it was very sweet. I thought it played very well. Their back and forth was like so even where yes. they were both like teasing each other in the same amount and it wasn't like oh the old ball and chain. Um, it was like a much more equal dynamic in that sense and they mm -hmm. also had some really sweet moments where you could tell they really liked each other. They did. I, I really thought this was a wholesome relationship. I liked it. I thought it was healthy. It was um, cute. It was ten, cute yeah. as heck. 10 out, 10 out of 10. So <laughs> then the prince shows up. Talon, would you like to talk about the prince for a second? Sure. He was fine. He, he was, was there. He was meh. My, my initial reaction to the prince was, oh, I really wanted to like him a whole bunch, but he's kind of meh. He looks very kind of generic except that he has kind of like a pointed nose yeah his nose is kind of pointed his hairline is faintly receding and they've combed it to try to hide that he looks young old i don't know um yeah i can not tell how old he was at he, all he seems i would have put him in his mid-30s or something he seemed you know definitely into adulthood 
uh, as opposed to- definitely said this was his like 21st birthday though. They did. And let me tell you, this boy was not 21. Not 21 (laughs) at all. I mean, we didn't look up the actor or his age during the filming. So, sir, if you're out there and you were actually 21 at the time- we, we apologize. <laughs> we apologize. The prince was fine. It's just like I said. Okay, it he had was, been so much of the movie. Hang on, hang on. He was born in 1932. Uh huh. So in 1957, he would have been 25. Oh, Liv, we were mean. No, but he he looks he looks that way for his whole life. We've got pictures of him as an old man, and he does not lose his hair. He's just got that weird he was hairline that's set kind of back he was 25 he was born january 13th 1932 i was lying when i said i couldn't tell how old he was i thought he was old and i was just being polite no yep okay so we we badly aged this fellow sorry prince um sorry chris anyways um (laughs) there was a moment that i wanted to talk about that was actually made me kind of sad and it was the king and the prince are talking about how much they do not want to go to this ball. And the queen steps, has stepped out of the room, but comes back and she overhears them talking about how much they do not want to go to this ball and how much they are dreading it. And the king says, but you can't let your mother know because this is so important to her. And she hears that and she gets kind of misty eyed and just kind of bustles in. And they immediately stop talking, and the prince very convincingly says, you know, mother, I'm so happy to be home, and I'm, I'm very excited about this ball tonight. And she very much just plays along and pretends like she has not heard this conversation and just goes, that's wonderful. I forget the exact line. And the prince leaves because his horse is being brought in, and the queen just goes over into a corner and gets out a handkerchief and starts to cry. It was so sad. And the king comes so over, and he's, and he's so... He's, he's aware that something's wrong and he's like are you getting a cold are you sniffling what's we don't want you to be sick are you okay it's very it's very caring and she just sort of no I'm I'm fine and sort of kisses him on the cheek and they go about their day and it's just it pulled at my heart it was just she's trying to do this thing which they don't want to do but they're going to do it to make her happy but she now knows that they don't want to do it but she's not going to ruin the lie that they have and he notices that she's upset but not upset he thinks she's sick it was just it was one of those very almost I think it was supposed to be a comedy beat but it really just struck as tragic of that sort of 1950s we're all just gonna lie about the thing and pretend that everyone's okay with the lies and that we don't know about it it was it was a very small moment but it just made me sad it was one of those moments there were a few in this movie where it felt like it was like more emotionally nuanced than the yes. Cinderella movie. Oh my god! Any right to be? Absolutely. The emotional nuance in this was intense. And I was reading the Wikipedia article on this, and they were talking about how they wanted to adapt it in such a way that it would be really recognizable for the children watching it. Um, but they also knew that like adults would be watching it. And they wanted to make sure that it kind of, um, oh, here we go. Uh, The direct quote is, we tried to humanize the characters without altering the familiar plot structure. 
And that's one of those moments where you really feel like this is a real person, like having like a real feeling. Yeah, this is a real Cinderella movie. Yeah, no, it was, and of the king and queen of all people, it and it didn't feel stagey or over dramatized. Uh, I I loved Whoopi Goldberg in the '97 version, <laughs> but and I think there was a similar moment where she hears, you know, that they don't want to do it, and she comes in and just aware that they don't want to do it she just sort of browbeats them into doing it and uses it to her advantage and it's a it's a very comedy beat i loved the beat it was funny but this was just such a moment oh my heart it was genuinely touching okay so we're getting ready to go to the party yes the stepmother and stepsisters she's gotten them already she sends them out with a very heartfelt i hope you have a wonderful night she tells them they look beautiful and she, she sounds like she means it. She does sound like she means it. And she says, I hope you have a good time with none of the wistful, I hope you have a good time. It's genuinely, I hope you have a wonderful time. And then she she's sings, like, um, she's just too good for this world. She, she is. She's nice. too good for this world. Julie Andrews is a treasure. She, she is a national treasure. We need to protect her at all costs. Uh, so then she sings the In My Own Little Corner song again and this is the first time we see her look sad yes this is the very first time that she is sad because she does want to go to the ball but she, she very quickly pulls herself out of it with imagining what the ball would be like and how wonderful it would be to be there and she at this point we also see her be kind of spunky for the first time imagining how green her sister's faces would turn when she's dancing with the prince and she's the belle of the ball. We also get a few more character beats here because she says that she would be coy and flirtatious and like Liv said, the belle of the ball. So that's kind of interesting. She really, she said she was meek, but she's really not. Like she wants to be the center of attention. She's she very wants ag- to flirt with the prince. She's very agreeable is what she is. She's very agreeable. But yeah, and then she actually does a little bit of sort of just self-banter as though she were the prince oh your highness you shouldn't say things like that it's a really cute moment it's very sweet and then her fairy godmother shows up i i sense that you feel some kind of way about the fairy godmother i do and i have a confession yes i didn't like her that's fine that's totally fine i didn't i wasn't super I didn't really like her as a person and as a character I think that she was the weakest character however this portrayal of fairy godmother is the most interesting thing I have ever seen so (laughs) one she already knows her stepmother fairy godmother I can't do this she's she's already met her fairy godmother she goes oh godmother it's so good to see you again she doesn't know she's magical this is a woman who's been in her life and hung out with her and visits her regularly cinderella has no idea that this woman is magical yeah she's literally her godmother like she's basically like her aunt stopping by she's been around she's a part of this girl's life i thought that take was fascinating i mean it makes sense because otherwise how does she know that she's her fairy godmother Yes, exactly. It makes sense. The fairy godmother then asks to come in, which my immediate response was, if you ask to ask to be invited in, that sort of implies that you're a vampire. Is she a vampire? 
This is the second vampire Cinderella crossover that we have considered. I I think we get a strong piece of evidence later when the fairy godmother says, oh, this old thing, I've had it for 832 years. So I think you can make a pretty good argument that there are, there are fairy godmother that live very long and need to be invited in like the fae. I think that's a fairy thing. I don't think fae need to be invited in. I think they do. I think that's the thing. So Cinderella goes down to let the fairy godmother in. Oh, 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 before the fairy godmother shows up, Cinderella, as she's going back inside from sending the stepmother and stepsisters off, looks at a pumpkin that's near the door, just sort of longingly, and then goes back inside. So she comes to the door. She comes to let the fairy godmother in. Fairy godmother is no longer there. Because she poofed to the other side of the window. And then when Cinderella's like, oh, how did you get here? She starts saying magic and then stops herself and goes, I climbed through the window. window? Yes, it was, a, it was a very weird comedy moment. I have no idea why the fairy godmother chose to do that. You get the sense that she doesn't spend a lot of time with people and that she's not allowed to tell like regular vanilla people that she's magical. But she also just, like, isn't very good at hiding it. Yes. So they sit down to have a conversation. And Cinderella is wishing, explaining, you know, how much she wants to go to the ball and how she wishes she could go and how she was imagining that the pumpkin turned into a coach and that these mice turned into horses. And she's just, she has such a vivid imagination. It really builds this. It, it really helps that Cinderella's the one that decided these things. Yes. Because yes. that's the only way it would make sense. Like, yes. why, why anything? Why? why does the godmother need to turn a pumpkin into pumpkin. a carriage? Why did why it have mice? to be mice? Why? 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 Um, why anything? It's because Cinderella was just sitting there looking at a pumpkin, and the moon hit it in a kind of way that she was like, wow, that if would only make a, this was a carriage. That would make a nice carriage. Just the imagination of, just an incredible imagination. I was in love with Julie Andrews this entire time. So we then get a fun moment where there's a conversation and Cinderella is saying to her godmother, I wish you believed in magical things. I wish you believed in wishes and good things happening, surprisingly. And fairy godmother's basic take is girl you got to do stuff for yourself you can't just depend on wishes to come and do stuff for you you can't just wait for someone to come and you have to be the master of your own life and cinderella then asks the fairy godmother if she believes in god and angels and the fairy godmother says quote i don't not believe in them so i think this is i don't I have a whole lot of questions now. I have so many questions. To be fair, that is her go-to response when Cinderella asks her, like, anything. Like, don't you believe in wishes? And she's like, I don't not Not believe believe in wishes. Well, don't you believe in dreams and just dreaming for something so hard that it happens? And she's like, I mean, maybe not never, but sometimes, but not really. Not really. Yeah, no, not really. So at one point, Cinderella wishes that her godmother was a fairy godmother, and fairy godmother goes, oh, pshaw, that's, that's crazy talk. And then we get the impossible song, which makes so much more sense in this context, where 
Cinderella is wishing about all these things. Oh, I wish the pumpkin would turn into a carriage and I wish that I could be at the ball and I wish that my poor clothes were a magical gown and that I could meet the prince. And the, the impossible song makes so much more sense. And it's possible that we made a mistake watching this out of order. It is very possible we made a mistake watching this out of order because this made so much sense. This song about impossible things, don't believe in impossible things, try to do stuff by yourself. And then Cinderella basically just wishes really, 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 really hard. It was also very charming because as much as the fairy godmother kept insisting, like, well, you know, that's completely ridiculous you're not being sensible Cinderella was like yeah but that's how I feel and this is what I'm wishing for and I'm I'm, also wishing really hard and I'm gonna keep wishing for it I don't care that it's not reasonable I don't care that it's impossible this is what I want so I'm gonna keep wishing for it because nothing happens if you don't wish for it that's how things start you have to want Mm -hmm. something and then get it and I loved that I loved that as a theme it made me so happy it's it's a much more active take on the sort of be nice and just hope something good happens eventually. Yeah, so she invent- it's, it's yes. this kind of blazing optimism oh, in yes. the face of just like nothing good happening and it's- just still finding it in yourself to believe in the things that you want and just have faith in something. I don't know. It was beautiful. It's just aggressive optimism, aggressive positivity. I loved it. It was it was perfect. It was wonderful. The fairy godmother eventually caves and turns the pump. Cinderella wears her down. Oh, you can yeah. see <laughs> you can see on her face that she's kind of like I shouldn't. It I'm going to get in trouble with whatever uh, entity is in charge of fairy godmothers. I'm, I feel like there's a council. I, there's going to be paperwork. There's going to be oh, paperwork man. if I do this. I can, you can see in her eyes the fear of the paperwork that's going to happen. Her and she knows paperwork. she shouldn't. And she's like, she's like, oh, okay, go look. Go look at the pumpkin. The reason that I didn't like her is because she came across as kind of mean. Because Cinderella is just sitting there like, you know, my life basically sucks. This is the thing that I want. And her fairy godmother launches into song about how every aspect of her dream is impossible and is like for sappy-eyed fools and is just like a waste of time. And if you don't know that she's going to make all of those dreams come true in that moment, it's a little mean. It is. I, I do not disagree with you. However, I, the vibe that I got from her on the, hey, that's impossible, was sort of a, hey, your pumpkin's not going to turn into a coach, but you could, you know, leave this awful family and go get a job somewhere else and make money and be happy. I, Cinderella was like, no, pumpkin, no, pumpkin, pumpkin to a coach. That's what coach. I want. Yeah. I'm, so it felt very much like, hey, I support you and don't, that's, that's, that's an impossible wish try to find a find a possible way to to pursue that dream dreams are great but like that to be fair pumpkins pumpkins to be fair cinderella was thinking big the fairy godmother is like you know you could be a servant in a different house and cinderella was like no no i'm gonna go dance with the prince of the ball (laughs) yes is what i want (laughs) so so the fairy godmother turns into the 
turns the pumpkin into a coach and mice into coachmen or mice into horses and rats into coachmen. So in this one, it's rats. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm keeping track now because I'm fascinated. In the yeah. two, this one, it was lizards mm-hmm. in case anybody's confused why I was like, wow, rats. I want to talk about the transformation. Yes, please, please do. Talon, tell us so, about this transformation. <laughs> <laughs> so the coach is very fancy, especially for what is basically like a stage production. But yes. for, t- for a TV movie, it's also very fancy, like on it, both counts. It is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's elaborate. And because they're doing it live, their special effects are not really existent. You get, like, <laughs> some overlap where they show one shot on top of another, but they mainly seem to achieve the effect of magic by having sparklers. <laughs> sparklers. Either it's, in front of or behind something. It's not even sparklers. It's like a flare. It's just straight lines that come out. It's a sparkler. Point. It's like a Fourth of July sparkler that you put it in your hand. But it doesn't sparkle. It's like a still shot of a sparkler. It's sparkler it's is, not, is too. It's not magic. moving or sparkling. It's just it's just glowing in lines, it's radial not the lines. Most magical thing I've ever seen. It's not. Yeah, the magic quality was pretty low. And then. For the dress, we don't even get the reveal of the dress until she's all the way at the ball. What we do yes. is we get like a pan to the floor and then we look at her and like the camera shows Cinderella and like her dress is different now. And it's not even her dress. She's wearing a cloak on top of it. And Liv was very concerned and was, was like, that better not be her actual dress. I was. I was concerned. I was like, no, no, no. I don't understand fashion. So I was like, I don't know looks like a dress to me. It looks fine. <laughs> Everything else is very 1820s, so sort of Napoleonic empire. It was a very lines. 50s coat. It was a very 50s coat. It was, it, it was diagonal. It went, it had a brooch on the shoulder and was tight around the neck and drew it. The it had a really shorter than they should have been. Really pin. The, it was a pretty cloak. I was just in my head. I was going, Please let this not be the dress. Please let this not be the dress. Please let this. I wish. I wish this is not the dress. I wish. Well, wishings for fools and dum-dums. <laughs> okay. So they ride. Together. The and they sing the impossible song again. And this time it's so cute because. Yes. Because now all of the impossible things have happened. And so it's not mean anymore. It's really sweet. So I go- love that they ride together. I think that that car- carriage ride for Cinderella must be like very stressful, you know, yes. by yourself going in a magic thing that used to yeah. be a pumpkin. That used to be a pumpkin. And your rats or lizards are your navigational services. I just, yeah, I just, we have a lot of stressors there. Yeah. I mean, I have trouble driving places with my GPS. I can't imagine relying on a, magically transmogrified rat to get me (laughs) to a palace so they get to the party and cinderella's like well aren't you gonna come with me and that's when we get the like 832 year old line where she's like listen i've been alive so long i don't really enjoy these kinds of things anymore which is a whole mood (laughs) um and she Tell Cinderella that she needs to, you know, by midnight be back in the carriage. And when Cinderella's like, well, why? Which is an amazing question. Yes. I love that question. 
Uh, she's like, why? And the fairy godmother disappears. No, the fairy godmother says, just obey me. That's and true. then disappears. That's true, she does. And the only person left is the formerly rat coachman. Yes. And so what happens is Julie Andrews turns to him and goes, she was right here. She just disappeared. Have you ever seen anything like this? And the coachman says, many times. <laughs> and then she goes, she goes something like, what happens at midnight. If I'm not, what happens if I'm not back at midnight? And he goes, you don't want to know. Right? It was weirdly aggressive. I... It was incredible. He also didn't look at her the whole time. He was no. just gazing forward, like In into very, the distance. Yes, very hostage video. This, this is a if he'd blinked in Morse code. That rat man has seen things. Which implies that that rat has been around for a number of years and that the fairy godmother has done this to him specifically before. And we know she doesn't do this very often, as she's said, because we had to get a big, long song about wishing really, really, really hard. So or he's just been magicked before by somebody else. Which is my personal favorite theory. There's a, <laughs> we're going to have to do a deep dive. And I just like, I'm so fascinated by this rat man this and rat his story. life. Yes. So let's talk about that moment where she walks into the room and everything at the ball stops and the prince sees her. How yes. did you feel about it? I loved it. I loved it. Because she, she drops her wrap and her dress is so pretty. It's so pretty. It was a beautiful dress. It's a beautiful dress. It's got the high waistline. It's got a train. It doesn't have sleeves, so it's not like correct technically, but I don't care. It it had straps, so it was close enough, and it had a high waistline, and her hair is so pretty, and the train is so flowy, and she just looks at the prince, and the prince looks at her, and they have just really great eye contact connection energy yeah absolutely yes. and yes. he runs right up to her whereas before like he was dancing with girls and they oh, were sort of so bored he was just rolling his eyes just oh god are we done yet they would sort of switch them out and he would kind of look at them like are you the same girl from before i'm not this, sure this is a new one right are we done yet are we um, done yet but he runs right up to her and basically takes her hand and they start dancing and they're making so much eye contact as they dance and you can tell they're actually like really enjoying dancing together and I'm not like a person who enjoys dancing but they definitely look like they're enjoying dancing. They are having so much fun. As someone who went to a dance and found a husband, let me just <laughs> say that was believable. I believe that she walked in and they had a really good eye contact and had an awesome dance I and mean, fell in love. I mean, as someone who was kidnapped by Liv and she <laughs> did a dance, in which I had to dance with a lot of people who were pulling me in different directions. It's and a then, dance. They were helping. They were no, helping. No, 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 they were. They were helping. But my point is, I was being handed off to people and I was like, I don't know who I'm dancing with anymore. I don't want to be here. I found that aspect very believable as well. Um, so they dance a lot together. They make a lot of goo-goo eyes at each other. They kind of sneak away. And it's very, like, 
I don't know why this is so naughty, but, like, it seems, like, very, like, scandalous that they're, like, standing outside together and, like, making goo-goo eyes at each other. They sneak away to the terrace where they waltz, you guys. They waltz? It's actual waltz music. They're actually waltzing to it. I don't know how to explain how rare this is in movies now, because normally there's not live music. There's just laid over music, so it's not exactly on the beat. No one's waltzing. They're either doing some weird sort of box step four square nonsense. They're not waltzing. But these, they're waltzing and they're having such a good time and waltzing is so romantic and lovely. So the reason that we're talking so much about how much eye contact and dancing they do is because it is a long time of dancing and eye contact because at this point when she walks into the ball we see the clock and it's like 11 30. Yes. And there's like 10 solid minutes of them dancing and looking at each other and then they sing a song about how they just met 10 minutes ago so all of this is in real time. Yes I loved it. I loved it. So they sing a nice song the 10 minutes ago I met you and now my world is different and the thing is the prince is now no longer meh. He has lit up so much. Oh, the prince is a cutie pie. He's so cute now because he's so animated and smiling and lightened. Just there's a, he's glowing. He's glowing. I also appreciate that they're not trying to make this into something it isn't. Like they're owning the fact that this is love at first sight. And they're like, I met you 10 minutes ago. Minutes ago. ago. What's happening? Um, this is really weird, but do you want to, like, be together forever? forever? He's just, he's so clearly smitten with her. It makes him so cute. So then we get the stepsister singing uh, A Girl Like Her. Um, Which is my favorite song of the movie. It was my favorite song in the Brandy movie. It's my favorite song in this movie. Agreed. The entire premise of the song is that um, what's so great about Cinderella She's only, like, beautiful and elegant and charming. And delicate and and wispy. And her cheeks are only as beautiful and red as a rose. And her skin is only, like, as soft as doe skin. Why why would someone like that? Why doesn't someone want someone like me? Why doesn't someone want somebody... Like, why does someone always want someone unusual? Why can't they want someone usual like me? It's a great line. It's um, also great because at one point, one of the sisters says, I could break her little arm. It's so great. <laughs> as like a criticism. <laughs> yes, as a critique. It's such a fun melody and it's such a fun song. And then for them to also start crying in the middle of it. It's so great. Raises the silliness level like even higher. Yes. Then the prince and Cinderella have a conversation that leads into the uh, a peak romantic song of the movie. So the two of them are having like this very confusing experience, but they're having it at the same time. And yes. the prince is like, "Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? <laughs> so like, do you do you know why?" And she's like, "No, this is super weird." And he's like, "I just met you ten minutes ago. I don't know you." I think I'm in love with you. But why? why? But why? Why is this happening? And her response is, nope, but I'm a girl and I'm, I don't need to analyze this to death. I feel happy moving on. And he just cannot get over the, why am I having these feelings? I don't understand. 
which makes the lead into the uh, Are You Beautiful Because I Love You or Do I Love You Because You're Beautiful song. I don't think it's a romantic song. I think it's supposed to be their main romantic song, but it makes it make so much more sense because... Yes, no, the song makes perfect sense. The song sense. makes so much more sense. I understanding think the that fact... I think the fact that they're both having this experience of falling in love at first sight at the same time is also like weirdly like a bonding experience for them. Yes. Where they're both like, this is so weird, right? Is this weird? This feels weird. And they're like, yes, this is very weird. But also I'm 100% in this with you. And they're like, we're the only two people who can understand each other. Yes. So after that song, we get... I think we should talk about the song. I think the song is fascinating. Because the entire premise of the song is both of them being like, well, hang on a second. Like, am I in love with you because you're really attractive? Or do I just think you're really attractive because I'm in love love with you? you. Is either one of those like, okay, like, what are we doing? It's It's been 10 minutes. It's been 10 minutes. Again, want to emphasize, I, I do like that song. I think it's a really interesting premise. And I think it's fun to talk about in terms of beauty is often what draws people. But once you're in love with somebody, you find them lovely. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that they include that concept of it kind of doesn't matter which way. It's These could both be true. I mean, I think I think the crux of that song is like, I feel so strongly. Am I like, am I projecting something onto you that's not real? Yes, because it does sort of address that concept of that rush of new love where you build someone up into someone that they're not. And then that little fades away and you're left with a person and you're kind of disappointed because they're not a fairy tale. Yeah, I think that for me, that's how I read the song where they're like, you know, I don't know you at all. Why do I feel like I do? What have I put onto you that might not really be there? Versus what are you like in reality? Yes. I just said the word real a lot and I don't know if any of that made sense. It's okay. I thought it made sense. Oh, great, 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 great. You've only known me, like, most of my life, so that's a good baseline. (laughs) We then get one moment that I did not like. They finish their Why Do I Love You song. Cinderella goes over to a pillar. The prince goes over to her and says, I love you. And she sort of turns away and closes her eyes. She's very clearly enraptured. She's got a rapture eye-closey expression. And he waits 0.7 seconds and goes, I just told you that I love you. Aren't you going to say anything? Which I did not appreciate. No, I didn't get that vibe at all. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't like that. Do you know what it was, though? I was so swept up in this because this was so romantic because she's closing her eyes and she's like, I just don't want to wake up. And he's like, are you so certain you're dreaming? are you dreaming I'm about to kiss you? Oh my gosh. And then he kisses her and it's such a good kiss. It's so sweet. I, I forgave the moment instantly. As soon as she sort of cuts him off and goes, no, no, I'm dreaming. I'm so happy. I must be dreaming. And then he waits and gives her time to answer and they continue talking. It was just that one moment of, I love you. Why didn't you say you love me immediately? I don't 
no, it's been 10 minutes. If I told somebody <laughs> I love them after 10 minutes and they didn't say something, I would panic immediately. Okay, but you got to give them time to form a sentence. My God, it's no, been 10 immediately. minutes. It's been They're not 10 saying I love minutes. you while I'm halfway through with the sentence. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake and it's too late to go back. <laughs> okay, so he does little finger kisses for her and she touches his face and it's just it's extremely romantic okay I, you guys i can't thing because he's taller than her he like presses his face into the side of her head where her hairline is and like he's not quite smelling her hair and he's not quite kissing her on the forehead it's something in between and he's just pressing her close to him it's so romantic i'm dying he's also considerably larger than she is because julie andrews is a small person and he's six foot two he how does do you this just know that by looking because at him? i wikipedia at him oh okay, when i was good. finding out when he was born so we could find out how old he was it oh. included it included the first thing was his name his height and then his date of birth i thought that was just like a skill that you would develop i thought this <laughs> people have is just to know how tall people are I'm not tall, podcast listeners. I am perfectly average height. Talon's just short. I am somewhat <laughs> stuck in the middle school mentality. <laughs> okay, that's I fair. was considerably taller than everybody when we first met. I'll grant you that. I am now like, exactly like average those, height. <laughs> I'm like those like horses where if you hold them when they're a baby, yes. they grow up and they yes. assume that you're still bigger than them. <laughs> yes. But because he's larger than her, he does this thing where he'll, like, very gently take her chin in his hand, and it's just, it's really romantic. It really appealed to me. I love it. It's cute. It's real cute. Also, like, the, the romance song ends in a hug instead of a kiss, where he just sort of holds her, and she rests her head on his shoulder, and, oh, the romance... But they do kiss, and it's like a good kiss. It's like a good kiss. They show you them slowly leaning towards each other, and it's not one of those where you see the back of one of their heads or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's an in-profile, slow, dreamy, closed-eyes kiss. It's, it's the slow-motion kiss that you have when you're about to kiss someone who you're really into for the first time, and time just, ooh, no time. Time is just nothing. It was beautiful. I loved it. Then she notices the clock and realizes realizes that it is now five till midnight and that she has to go. And he asks her why. She says that her fairy, that her godmother said she has to. Talon, would you like to discuss what happens next? <laughs> so Please? she's like, I promised my godmother, which is actually the a really solid excuse. Like that's yes. literally what happened. Yes. I don't know why every Cinderella hasn't said that, but whatever. And he's like, well, I think your godmother would forgive you. And she's like, I have a very strange kind of godmother. The next line, by the way, is also gold because he's like, well, I don't even know your name. What's your name? And she's like, it's a silly name. You wouldn't like it. Like it. <laughs> so she runs away, uh, you know, leaves the shoe. He runs after her, finds the pumpkin in the shoe just there. there and then the scene ends so we don't know what happened to cinderella or how she got home or if she got home 
but I really liked that rather than having showing the transformation back into the pumpkin and her transformation back into rags and her fleeing the scene. I thought it was really elegant that she's just gone and there's just a pumpkin in a shoe. I think it's mostly because they were just not great at showing transformations. Again, it was live. It was shot live. So <laughs> I thought that was really clever. Because no, and I wish they'd done that with more of the sequence, the transformation sequences. I wish they'd done like more like, look over there, now look back. Look, it's better now. It's gone. It's here. It exists. It doesn't. It's perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the next scene is we're back at the stepmother and stepsister's house. And I guess Cinderella also lives there. So we're back at the house. We're back at the, we're back at the home. And all of the women other than Cinderella are like soaking their feet as she's cleaning and they're all talking about you know how great the ball was and this is where she gets like real sassy and she's like pointedly asking them questions and she's like well did you get to dance with the prince and they're like oh yeah and she's like oh was anybody there that you didn't recognize and they're like oh well this one girl and she's like oh did the prince like her did she dance with the prince? It's, <laughs> it's real funny. And then she talks about how she stayed up imagining what the ball would be like. And the stepsisters go, you couldn't possibly imagine if you weren't there. And she goes, well, maybe I have more imagination than you think. It was great. It was a great line. I loved it. And from there, she launches into her song about what, the, what it feels like to be at the ball. You know, how you have these butterflies and you put on the most beautiful dress you've ever worn. And when the prince dances with you, you feel like you weigh nothing and all that stuff. And every single time they're like, well, how would you know? And she's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just imagining. Guessing. But she's describing the night in perfect accuracy. And she also, so she starts to tip off the step family. They start to become suspicious. But then her descriptions of how beautiful the night was wins them all over. And they have this really interesting moment where they're all kind of harmonizing together and singing and the stepsisters join her and take her bucket and the stepmother comes and takes her mop they don't do chores they just they hold the mop and bucket and sing to them and they they have this moment of connection which was really sweet and then the song ends and the connection just goes kaboom yeah and it's straight back to the status quo but but like angrier because they just had this moment of connection which they didn't want. So they feel which like they have Cinderella to. Which they Cinderella for because she has ensorcelled them with her song. Yes. Um. Somehow. <laughs> so my question for you is, how does this conflict get resolved? Does anyone do anything? Well, the prince announces that he's going to find the girl using the shoe. He asks his father if he can borrow the secret service. And the king says, of course. They never find anything, but you can try. (laughs) Which is a weird thing to say in the 50s. It was really funny. (laughs) I loved it. So we then get this very, very silly montage of women trying on shoes. Talon, can you talk about this montage? Just very aggressively just shoving their entire foot 
but very wiggly. It's a wiggly kind of aggression. It's not just slamming their feet into the shoe. They're wiggling their feet all They're trying to put their feet in sideways. It's, it's it, great. It was, when I say slammy, I mean, they put their foot in and then take it out and put it back in and then take it out and put it back in. Like it's going to work better. But they wiggle their feet around. They're all, their feet are going you know, perpendicular to the shoe at one yeah. point. And then there's this great moment where the shoe fits someone and it pans up. It's the little second grader girl it's and she looks so girl. proud of herself and her mom looks so pissed off. The, the shoe makes it to the step family's home and the stepsister and stepmother are trying on the shoe unsuccessfully. Okay, so then the fairy godmother just shows up outside their window like it's a sitcom. Mm-hmm. And is like, well, what about Cinderella? And they're like, what about Cinderella? And she's like, well, don't you think she should try on the shoe? And they do that whole dance where they're like, well, no, she's nobody. She's basically a chimney sweep. And the palace guards are like, well, it has to be everyone. And Cinderella's not there. Like, yeah, they say, well, where is she? they say, where is she? And the stepmother goes, she's in, or the fairy godmother says, well, she must be in her room. And so they go to her room, and she's not there. She's just not there. At which point, I was, like, so into this movie, and I was like, what's going on? What's happening? Where is she? Did, because in in other versions, the step-parents, the step-family hides Cinderella. They actively lock her away somewhere. I had a brief fear where I was like, is she not going to get to put on the shoe? Yeah, I was concerned. But then we cut to the prince and his mother, having a conversation uh so in this conversation the mother is like hey what if you never find this girl like you didn't know anything about her before you don't know anything about her now and the prince is so in love and he's just like you know this is where my happiness is i think that i need to find her in order to be happy and if i don't then i won't be happy Mm-hmm. And so then he sings a, a brief reprise of the Are You Beautiful Because I Love You song. And we pan away, and Cinderella's there. She's just She's in, like on the balcony, just hiding behind a pillar. Then <laughs> the resolution of this is delightful. I, I don't know if you so want to talk weird. about it. It's so weird. The fairy godmother shows up and they find Cinderella after tell so okay. The palace guards are, like, telling the prince, you know, we haven't found her. No one fit this shoe. And the fairy godmother is just there twirling her magical baton. She yes. doesn't have a magic wand. It's a baton. It she is a baton. She it it's like a baton. a baton. Aggressively. She aggressively baton twirls. And she points out Cinderella and implies that she's a criminal of some sort. Yes. So the... The, what, what happened here is that the guards were going to send her on her way. Like, you are clearly a poor person. You do not belong in palace. Be about your business. And the fairy godmother, knowing that she can't just say, oh, hey, come on, let her try on the shoe. Yes, says, she could. Why not? Why would he listen to her? He's a guard. Guards don't like to listen to women. Wait, no, she, it worked before when they were going to let her try it on when they thought she was a chimney sweep. Yes, but that, was when they were, but that was when they were actively trying on shoes. She's just showed up at a palace. No, I thought this was one of those weird, the fairy godmother being weirdly mean for no reason moments. No, I love this. I thought this was really clever. So here's what I thought happened. 
it was too clever for me then. We'll go with that. I thought that what happened is the fairy godmother who has to point out Cinderella to the guards is like, who's that over there? And they find her and you know, who are you? And Cinderella goes, Oh, I'm, I'm nobody. I'll just leave. And the fairy godmother says, Oh, I, she, she could be some sort of criminal. She could be anyone. She could be anyone. We should lock her up. And then the guards agree and are like, yes, no, we should, we should definitely lock Which her up. Which does effectively stop Cinderella from leaving. I will give you that. It does. And then the fairy godmother goes, ha you know, it would be really funny. We should try this shoe on her while she's here because she's probably a criminal and wouldn't that be funny? And the guards go- I thought go, that was so weird. Yes. We should try the shoe on her because we did say everybody and she is here. So while we're waiting for the guards to collect her for prison for the crime of Cinderellaing in the palace, they put the shoe on her. Lo and behold, for it fits. the crime of being poor, in poor in the presence of richness. Yes, uh, she. The shoe fits. They call the prince. He, he rushes. doesn't even look at the shoe. He sees her and he's like, "It's you." Ew. And oh, she's it's... like facing away from him, and you can see on her face that she doesn't know how he's going to react because he told her before, I'm going to love you no matter what your name is. Forever. Love you forever, forever. Forever. But he never said, I'm going to love you no matter what your name is. And also if you're poor. So she's clearly got some anxiety about this. And so then just immediately takes her in his arms and they look into each other's eyes. it's, It's the romance is so strong. So then we cut back to the home. And we get the stepmom again going, Cinderella, but then follows it up with, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there something else that you need? Can I help you with anything, my love? It's great. And she's gone from bossing around Cinderella to bossing around her daughters. And yes. Cinderella's asking for like that wedding rhyme, like something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. And she's asking yes. for them one at a time. And the stepmother is sending the stepsisters, you know, to go and get it and she's telling them to close the window just in case Cinderella catches a draft. Yes. It's and great. She's so excited to be related to royalty. Yeah, she's she so happy. Loves having Cinderella as her stepdaughter now. Yes. And what what is their hope? They have a I hope. mean <laughs> um I want to say it's Portia the one who says it but she goes yes. maybe the prince has a male cousin who's intellectual ma. Yes. Which was my favorite line. A male cousin who's intellectual. I really liked seeing this different version instead of like a comeuppance because we usually see the stepmother and stepsisters punished in some way. Yeah, or embarrassed or jealous or just the punishment is that they are left out of the picture. They are left out of the history. And in this one, they then go to the wedding. It's, they're her bridesmaids. Yeah, they're her bridesmaids. They're there. They're They're her family. At the very end, they both kiss her on the cheek. The stepmother kisses her on the cheek. The stepmother kisses her on the cheek. The stepsister shake her hand. Oh my God. Her wedding dress was so (laughs) pretty. It was so pretty. It was a different dress than her ball gown, which made me happy. It had longer sleeves. It was all drapey. It had the longest train. It looked so good on her. It was so pretty. I would get married again if I could wear that dress. So we get their wedding. Uh, they they kiss everybody goodbye as they greet their guests, and they he, he kisses her cheek one last time at the very end of the wedding, and then she sort of waves goodbye to her fairy godmother 
and winks at her as she leaves. It's very cute. It's very cute. It's so cute. Oh, so that is, that is how the film ends. So. I loved that we got to have a wedding scene. I love that. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of Cinderella's kind of cut off a little early. And mm-hmm. I like getting that resolution where they get married and there's a party and we get to see what happened to the step family. I really liked it. I thought it was like a movie. It was a full movie. Considering Absolutely. it was made for TV, it yes. didn't feel like it. Considering it was filmed live, it didn't feel, didn't like, feel it. like it. It was it was excellent. And bear in mind, the uh, classic uh, Disney Cinderella came out in 1950. So this is very recent to that. And given how normally when things come out that are that similar, they tend to copy one another. They tend to be very similar. Uh, this is not anything like the Disney Cinderella whatsoever. No, not at all. At all. It's seven years newer, but it feels more new than that. It feels like it's not as dated as that one. Exactly. I would, I would definitely agree. So this is going to be a hard one this week, but Talon, what were your highs and lows? Ooh, okay. My high is always the girl like her song mm-hmm. where yep. the two stepsisters are just kind of listing all the things about Cinderella that are good as if they're bad. I think they're, I think it's cute. I have a good time with that. <laughs> Um, do you have a low? The low, I don't really have a low. Like, I gotta say, like, I didn't love all the parts with the fairy godmother, but you've kind of sold me on most of those. Ooh, yay. So, I, I don't know. I was gonna say the bit where she's, like, in the castle and her godmother is like, oh, look, a criminal. (laughs) But it's also such a weird moment that if it it wasn't in there, like, I'd really miss it. Yeah. I'm gonna say no lows. Fair. That's okay. How about you? Okay. Generic high? Just Julie Andrews. Just (laughs) Julie Andrews killing it in every single scene. She's such a powerhouse. She has so much personality. She has so much acting power. She's amazing. I love her. She's the best. The woman is good at what she she does. If I had to pick a tiny high, like a high that wasn't Julie Andrews being amazing in every single scene that she's in, it would be that one moment right in the beginning of, I wish I was demure and sweet, chug champagne. <laughs> that was a great moment for me. That okay, was wait, a- wait. In that same sequence, when all the girls are getting ready for the ball, oh, yeah. not like any name character, there's a girl that's sitting in a tub and she's scrubbing so hard at her back. Like she's going to be squeaky clean for the prince. Oh, well, so we see the sweet and demure girl, the girl who wants to be sweet and demure, but is just chugging champagne. We see her just aggressively putting on perfume, just multiple spritzes on her neck and neck and neck and neck. And finally, she just takes the spritzer off the perfume bottle and just upends it on her boobs. <laughs> and it's the same woman. And I, I want her story. I, could, I was paying attention. She caught there my interest. Was, um... Let's just say she caught my interest. She's definitely me in a past life. I wanted to know her story. I want to know what happens to that woman. There was might, also a scene yeah. where um, a girl's like putting on stockings and she's doing it by laying on her back and sticking her legs straight up in the air in that classic 50s pinup pose. It is 100% how men think women put on pantyhose. Like with one leg bent at the knee and all, both toes pointed. It was so funny. It, it was. It was funny. I guess, okay, 
I really like that montage. That whole montage was really good. It was an excellent montage. I think that would be another high would just be that I love the king and the queen's relationship. I thought they were so human and so rich for, for such a small part. I oh thought gosh. that was incredibly well done. Oh my gosh, they had the cutest moment when the prince and oh. Cinderella were dancing. Oh, they did. And oh like God. clearly in love at first sight. Oh my God, yes. It was like, oh, you know, that look on our son's face. It reminds me, you know, I, I remember that feeling of just falling in love with somebody for the first time. And the queen is like, who does that remind you of? And when did like, you feel that? Yeah, when did you feel that? And he's like, well, when I saw you. It's and so cute. So casually. It's, it's so, so cute. cute. Oh, God. Oh, it's it not was... like a line or anything. It's just something that's occurred to him, and he's sharing it with her. It's, it's so cute. It's so good. Um, okay. Lowe's, just that one moment of, why didn't you say you love me immediately? I didn't like it. It felt pushy. <laughs> I just, I didn't like it. It felt pushy. I understand that it's scary to tell someone you love them for the first time, especially when that first time is literally 10 minutes after you've met them. And don't know their name yet. And don't know their name yet, but I didn't like how pushy that felt. That, that made me a little uncomfortable. Mm. Okay. What, what would you change about this movie? I would have loved to see this in color because they did have a color version. Yes. I think um, that would have been fun. And I, I was thinking when I was watching this before I did the, before I read up on this, that it didn't look like the colors were optimized for black and white recording. The contrast just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, and I got the sense that it was meant to be seen in color and I just happened to be seeing it in black and white. And it looks like they released it both in color and in black and white, depending on, like, which channel or broadcast time you were seeing. And the yes. one that's made it online with the introduction with Julie Andrews happens to be the black and white one. So I would have loved to have seen this in color. I bet the costuming would have been stunning. Agreed. Agreed. I would also have liked to see this in color. Other than wanting to see the colorized version, I wouldn't change anything. This movie was excellent. I loved it. What final grade would you give this movie, Talon? This is an A. This is a really, really solid movie. If you want to watch a Cinderella movie, like if that's what you're into, you want to see a really good fairy tale and you want it to be romantic, you want there to be singing and dancing, this is it. This is the one you should watch. I know it's a little bit early in the podcast, but this is the one. Like, this is the perfect Cinderella. Yeah, agreed. I do not understand why this is not the quintessential Cinderella. This has intense characterization. It has so much genuine romance and tenderness. It's got comedy. The, we didn't even talk about the dance sequences. The dance choreography is phenomenal. The sequencing is so good. It was, it was incredibly impressive, especially since it was shot live. They did a lot of things that, like, looked bold, very complicated. Bold choices for being shot live. There is a lot of, like, lifting each other up with legs up in the air and skirts going swish and a whole bunch of people doing things. Lots of dips. Lots of dips. Lots of going across each other in diagonals. And, mm -hmm. like, like, the choreography worked really well on a macro scale where there was a whole bunch of people on screen and you could see, like, the shape that they made. And then it also worked really well if you were just looking at one couple and the dancing that 
the specific moves they were doing. Yes, the dancing was excellent, and it's definitely the sort of thing where you don't want to do a couple of takes on that. Oh no, never mind. We're just going to do it live. It's the fifties. We're brave what? New like world. it's hard. Yeah, like it's exactly. So <laughs> yeah, final grade uh, A plus. This was this was a excellent Cinderella. I think that this should be the quintessential Cinderella. Just not like an adaptation, not a modernization or a, a new take on something or, oh, what if this happened or, oh, what if that? This is just, this is Cinderella. This is the Cinderella. This is the most Cinderella Cinderella I've ever cinderella I if love it. If you had to give an award for best classic Cinderella, I think this, this is it. This is, I, I think this, this is, is going to be the one. Yeah, this is hands down best classic Cinderella. If we manage to unseat this one, I don't, I don't know how that would happen. I'm, I'm not opposed to the idea, but someone's going to have to work really hard to unseat the queen. I mean, did we mention it's Julie Andrews? It's Julie Andrews. <laughs> I'm absolutely going to be watching this again. I strongly recommend everybody watch this. This is the quintessential Cinderella. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at Cinderpod on Twitter and Instagram like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages and the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.